ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, Paramount Plus, Apple TV Plus. Aren't there enough of these pluses out there? Well, not yet. Yes, it's Lance and Matt Plus, a new podcast presented by WFOB and WBBI. Okay, now we've got enough pluses. So let's join Lance Morris and Matt Kaufman for Lance and Matt Plus. Welcome on into this edition of Lance and Matt Plus, a podcast exclusive heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and online at WFOB and WBVI.com. I'm Lance Morris. He's Matt Common. Matt, how we doing? We're doing great. Welcome once again to the high-end premium podcast service, the premier podcast service that is available out there. As mentioned, much like Hulu Plus and Disney Plus, we are Lance and Matt Plus, and the plus stands for love because we love our listeners. We love bringing you positive, high-quality content week in and week out. And we got another solid show lined up, all sorts of cool little stories and anecdotes. Well, at least we think they're cool stories oh, and anecdotes. You right. may think they're boring as all get out. But point is, you guys are tuning in. We appreciate having you here, and we are so excited to continue to get this podcast rig rolling and having ourselves a good time. And of course, rate, subscribe, review, then unsubscribe, re-rate, re-review, redo all those things a couple of times to help uh, help Matt and myself out. And we've got, like Matt said, a very, very exciting episode here for the second edition of Lance and Matt. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about, well, how we ended up at the colleges we did, how I ended up at Bowling Green, Matt at Heidelberg. We'll talk about that, broadcast experiences we had in college, and, you know, hopefully a funny story or two Along the way, we'll also be joined a little later on by Michael Hearn, one of our broadcasting frenemies, if you will, because, you know, whenever we see him, we're typically rooting for different teams. He's he's the play-by-play voice for Ottawa Glendorf Girls Basketball along with St. Mary's Football, among the other things he does. So we'll catch up with him a little later on. So, Matt, let's uh, let's get right on into it. Why did you end up going to Heidelberg? Well, first, let me say before Michael gets here, frenemy is a bold choice of terms <laughs> on that one. Um, we actively root for him to lose broadcasts <laughs> because that means we get more broadcasts. So it, it, I, I put, it, I put pers- it a nice way. You did. I mean, it'll be fun to hear his perspective on. So I'm looking forward to talking with him about it because all, all joking aside, Michael's a great guy. We, we enjoy talking with him, getting to know him and all that stuff. He, he's always a blast to hang out with. But to answer your question, why did I choose Heidelberg? Money. And they offered me the most of it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, to, to, I'll be perfectly honest. That was a big motivating factor. I was... At the time, I was looking for a place that was going to either help with some financial aid, um, possibly with some scholarships. I, I know contrary to some of our listeners and some of the people that have called into our studio's opinion, I actually am a smart-ish human being. Wow. So I was trying to get academic scholarships at the time, too. And really, the other big design factor was I wanted to continue playing football. Um I, I wanted to continue my athletic career. I wanted to continue playing at the next level. No one in my family had actually played NCAA football. Uh, my brother, he made it. He actually got a scholarship to Mountain Union, but he got hurt during training camp and ended up never playing. Uh, my father, when he was in college, he got a scholarship to Ohio Wesleyan. And the same thing happened that both of them got hurt during training camp. They never actually 
made it through the season on that one. And that, that's something that I really want to do. That's something that I really want to accomplish that I, I made it through the season that I made it through playing NCAA football. And that would be something that I could really hang my head on. So my senior year started, you know, started sending out the recruitment stuff, started sending out the highlight tape and things of that nature. And I actually got a lot of feedback and a lot of attention from Capital University down in Columbus and went down and visited them. And I was like, oh my God, this place is great. I, I love it. It's such an awesome school. I'm totally going to go here. Like I decided I was going to Capital. The end, end of the discussion. But um, about halfway through my senior year, I started getting letters from Heidelberg as well. And, you know, it's nice. It was like, okay, it's Heidelberg. At the time, I think they were one in 39 <laughs> over the four years of my time in high school. So they were just bad, like really, really bad program. So didn't really think much of it and was still pretty much locked in on capital. The uh, third school I was actually looking at was Bluffton, uh, Bluffton University. They were pretty interested in me as well. So fast forward to about January of my senior year. So January of 2007, if anyone can think back on fonder times of the the aughts as opposed to the 2010s, 2020s on that one. Uh, simpler times as it were. But um, get a call all of a sudden from Heidelberg, in particular head coach Mike Hallett, who's now the offensive coordinator over at Toledo, or one of the offensive coordinators at Toledo. And he called to say that he was the new head coach, uh, that he was putting together his staff and they were going through some of the old recruitment tapes and some of the old players they had on their board. And I was one of the ones that they still wanted to get in touch with and get in contact with. So they asked if I wanted to come out for an official visit. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, I'm really locked in on capital and I'll give my mother and father all the credit in the world on this one, because my mom said it wouldn't hurt anything to just go see another school. If they were nice enough to call, the least you can do is go out and see them. And if you still like capital after that, so be it. It'll be fine. And then? So I, I go out to Heidelberg and I was absolutely blown away by the coaches, by what they were talking about, because what, what fascinated me and Lance, I'm, I never had a recruitment conversation with you about like when you were like getting ready to go to college or anything like that. If you had a coaches or anybody like that, talk to you, but not even a little, not even a little. (laughs) Okay. So I did I would have the coaches call me and from capital and this isn't to ding capital at all. They're a great program. I respect them a lot. It, it, it was, it's a, not was, it is a beautiful campus, an awesome school great place to go if that's something that you want to do um they they just kept telling me how great it was like oh man you're gonna do this you're gonna do that you're gonna do these things Uh, i'm sitting there with my father in the coach's office at heidelberg and i'm getting ready to hear the same spiel of just how great i am this that and the other and full disclosure i was a rotation lineman i i 
our line rotated in. None of us played more than three quarters in a game at any point. That, that's just how our line worked. We, we did a lot of rotating. So n- nobody was ever like in every single snap type of deal. So when, whenever these coaches would say that, oh, you're just so great, you're amazing, it's like, okay, well, then why didn't I get every single snap? Why wasn't I out there for the whole game if I'm so great and amazing? It, it kind of was a little bit of a deterrent from me from some of the other schools. But when I'm sitting in the coach's office with my father, and he said, my dad says point blank to him, okay, what do you expect my son to do here athletically? Coach Hallett looked at him, looked at me, and said point blank, well, your son stands too high when he gets out of his stance, so we need to get him to lower that down. <laughs> um, definitely need to work a little bit on footwork, but we see a lot of good potential there. I think by his sophomore, junior year, he should be at least rotating in with us. And if he has a good camp as a freshman, he'll definitely be dressing as a varsity player as a freshman as well. But we definitely see some areas that we can improve. And there's a lot of good things there too. Don't get me wrong, but this is stuff that we can work on. These are things that we can do. And these are what we're, these are things we're planning on doing. So he didn't give the normal coach talk. He actually gave a real player analysis, which was huge. And I'm just sitting there kind of blown away. Um, They were also advertising what they were calling the slant program, which is an academic program. It's a like slant is an acronym. I forget what it's for now, but what they were doing with it is forcing the kids to make like day planners, organizing, prioritizing what tasks they need to get done throughout the day. And everybody was talking about all the coaches were just going on and on and on about this thing. And my dad's again, I, I give him all the credit in the world on this one. Cause he, he was asking a fair bit of the tough questions and he said, okay, so this all sounds great. And you're making a lot of good claims here. This whole academics first thing that you guys are talking about is that lip service or is that the real deal? Coach Hallett took out a notebook with kind of like had the day planner. His was organized exactly the way that this program they were running was talking about. And he also had circled six classrooms. He said, here are the classes I'm visiting today that some of my players are in to make sure that they're doing things the right way. If a player gets below a certain grade point average, I suspend them from the team. So it's not lip service. Nobody here is going to the NFL. I need to make sure that my kids graduate as well. So total mind blow, completely shocked, blown off the, blew off the door level of impressed at this stage. And as we're leaving coach Hallett and coach Bendekovic, coach Bendo, who would have been my position coach said, we're going to call you. Coach Bendo's going to call you every Tuesday. I'm going to call you every Wednesday to make sure that you're doing good in school and that things are going well your senior year. Okay, sure. I, Of course you guys are going to call your two-star lineman recruit every week on Tuesday and Wednesday just to make sure my grades are doing good or make sure that our things are doing good. And here's the thing, Lance. God is my witness. I'm someone who believes in if you're going to say you do something, you do it. Between that January visit and the end of May, when I actually graduated on a Thursday and both of them called that Tuesday and that Wednesday to congratulate me, 
Coach Hallett and Coach Bendo did not miss a call between two, that entire period of time. Whereas Capital, I never really heard from them after that. I didn't really hear from Bluffton that much. So for me, it's like, you know what? You actually care about every player on your roster. You care about every player's performance overall, not just on the field, but in what they do in their lives also. So for me, that was really the thing that made me choose Heidelberg. It it really was. It it was this level of commitment to even someone like me, a a freshman, God, if I'm lucky, like I'm really selling myself hard here. If I'm lucky, a two-star level recruit, if that, I I mean, coming from a decent sized school as a rotation offensive lineman for them to call once a week without fail showed the type of character that those two had and that the coaches had and that the team was going to have in terms of how committed they were to everybody. And that, that, that was the selling point. Just like they're going to care. Even if football is not the thing I do the entire time I'm there, they are going to care about my outcome as a human being. So that's what really made me choose it. And again, money certainly helped. I got offered a, um, for my academics, I got offered a half ride scholarship to Heidelberg, which was a decent bit of money, not the biggest scholarship out of the schools that offered it to me, but it was good. It was really, really those other things though, that made the difference in me choosing Heidelberg. Wow. Okay. I, I obviously I knew you went to Heidelberg, but had even I had no really idea of the true backstory of oh, yeah. conversations well, that, that's that took because place. I usually joke and I do a really bad Mr. Krabs impression whenever someone asks. I just go, Muddy. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that helps, but it, no, it's that I, I will always give credit to that coaching staff. And, and it, it kills me because Coach Bendekovic, he's actually, um, he, he's no longer with us. He actually passed my senior year while I was at Heidelberg. Um, but I, I will give those two all the credit in the world in terms of the caliber of coach that they are, the caliber of human being that they were. And yeah, that's the, it. Those guys sold me so incredibly well on it. And I'm happy they did. I'm really happy they did. Well, no surprise that uh, the, the, that coach is doing well. You just said he, he's already at a D1 program as an offensive coordinator. So if you went from coach at Heidelberg to offensive coordinator at any one school he obviously has been doing some things right along the way oh yeah I, I mean if you look at coach Hallett's resume I mean he was he was part of one of the first national championship teams at Mount Union as a player is where he, he kind of cut his teeth athletically he was an assistant coach there for a few years um, before he went to Heidelberg he was the head coach at St. Thomas uh, down in Kentucky and really helped turn that program around I mean just just to be perfectly candid about what type of coach he was. I mean, he left, I think two years after I graduated, but in his time there, coach Hallett became the second winningest coach in school history, got the school, got the program back to its first playoff appearance in like 40 years. And we went from a record of one in 39, the four years before he got there to having only one losing season, which was my freshman season in the time that he was there after that. So it's, I, if coach Hallett's not a D one head coach at some point in the not so distant future, I will be shocked. I really will. 
So when you made your college pick, it was mm-hmm. mostly, I mean, some combination of money and being able to play football. So Correct. at that point, did you know you wanted to major in media and just kind of would do it wherever you had the opportunity? Or what did you what did you enter college as? Okay, so I entered college, again, thinking I was going to be the starting right tackle for the Cleveland Browns one day. Of course. Um, that that ship clearly sailed as soon as I, you know, hit my first off-season workout program. <laughs> but uh, no, initially, when I started going to school, I went with an uh, English degree because I was looking to set myself up to go into law school after I graduated. That what? was kind of my general. Oh, yeah. I, I was really? almost a lawyer. I was almost a lawyer. Um, turns out I hate pre-1800 British literature. <laughs> and that I truly and genuinely despise post-1800 British literature. So all, all, all books. That's, that's all books. No, no, correction. Uh, not all books. <laughs> Just it. Look, if you give me... A classic book, you know, like a Hemingway, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Shakespeare, uh, some some of the classics, like Melville, any of those guys, any of the classics. I love it. I enjoy reading. I'm a big fan of reading. If you hand me a God blessed Bronte sisters book where they spend an entire chapter describing a wall (laughs) as they're sitting in there, like, you know, a Jane Eyre or a Pride and Prejudice, I start losing my mind. It's evidently I just can't get into those types of books and my grades in English reflected that pretty heavily. Um, But yeah, my my initial plan was I was going to be a lawyer. I I was going to do English because they said that was a really popular undergrad for any schools that didn't have a pre-law program. So I was going to do that. I was going to take the LSAT and I was going to go to Cleveland Marshall to become a lawyer and make lots of money and, try cases and eventually be president of the United States or something like that, which we still could do. I mean, vote for me. Why not? There's, there's worse options. You're not, you're not 35 yet. You're 32. I mean, I will be by the time the next election rolls around. So, Hey, vote for me. There's worse options out there, I suppose. There you go. Great sales pitch. Uh, So no, that, that was initially the plan that I was going to go and be a lawyer. So uh, I didn't actually switch to media like actually full disclosure like even last week when we talked about when i started doing broadcasting i hadn't switched to media as my career focus until officially my junior year i I was still kind of leaning towards law school and thinking hey this is just kind of like a fun hobby for me to do or just a fun extracurricular for me to do when i have free time um yeah that changed my junior year is when i Switched majors, switched to communication with the focus in broadcasting. Oh, wow. I had a, a possible future lawyer. I would not have expected that. Really? With my gift of gab and witty banter, you, you don't think I could sway a jury potentially? No. No, I don't. Yeah, you probably got a good <laughs> point there. That's a good. Uh, here's the thing I, I, I love debate, I love. I loved doing all this stuff to kind of get ready for law school and like to prep for it. I did in fact, take the LSAT. I did take the LSAT, the entrance exam for law school. Um, and that was, God, I want to say winter of my junior year of college. Like I was still 
even though I had switched majors, I was still kind of on the fence about whether or not I should pursue broadcasting. So I still took the LSAT and I scored well on, it. I think I scored like a 160 out of 180. I mean, it's a decent score, not, not enough to get scholarship offers or grant money offers, but definitely good enough to say that I could get in. Um, I'm trying to think because it, it's been years at this point. It's been almost a decade. That, oh, it's been a decade <laughs> since I took the exam and since I was thinking I was going to be a lawyer. So, yeah, that I mean, that's a little bit of a mind blow. Matt Kopman, attorney of law. Wouldn't that have been something? <laughs> oh, man, that's that that that's happening in a whole nother universe and it's it's going well so <laughs> there is an alternate universe dimension where i am a successful trial lawyer and like running for congress or something like that see because well, because this is this is not the darkest timeline that we are in but it's probably not the absolute <laughs> best timeline that we're in in that regard at least okay <laughs> I like how your mindset of me being involved in anything political is like, could be part of the dark timeline <laughs> in an alternate reality or alternate universe. I mean, but yeah, that's but Matt Cotman, attorney at law or of law or of at law, whatever it is on that one. That was almost me. I think the that fact that you're dang. unsure tells me you made the right choice. Oh yeah. That, and <laughs> I, I would not have, I, I've seen some of the studies and stuff like that. And some of the classroom materials and things like of that nature that I would have had to do in law school. No, I would not have made, I will just donated Cle to Cleveland state a lot of money that would not have gotten successful at all. <laughs> it just wouldn't have. It, uh, it, it reminded me of something uh, that you, you alluded to at least a little, a little bit ago when you were just talking about literature and reading and things of that nature. I, cr I came across a, a time hop from my time at BG where I said something along the lines, I was repeating a teacher that said we might have to read like an article, we might have to read it twice. And in my tweet, I'm like, if I read that once, consider yourself lucky, sir. <laughs> yeah. That Okay, that was me with... Um... <laughs> That was me with Wuthering Heights. <laughs> when we had to read that one, they're like, oh, well, you might want to consider reading it again. It's like, I had to read this once as a senior in high school. You are, you're getting just a slightly expanded copy of the book report I had to write then. Cause I, I cannot bring myself to read this book again. I just can't, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> uh, so, so as far as for me, for me ending up at BG, like I said, no, no true athletic potential there at that point. I maybe could have tried walking on, but that wouldn't, that, I don't think that would have personally ended very well if you ask my opinion. But for me, I honestly, and in retrospect, I did not look hard enough at different colleges. I will, I will say that because I kind of, I, for me, I just kind of had it in my head because of how I grew up and where I lived that I would either go to UT or BG because I lived outside of, I lived in Toledo for the first nine years of my life. So I went to, you know, a bunch of UT basketball games, some football games. We, we were only a few minutes from the campus at that point. We had a family friend who had season tickets to the athletics at UT and they didn't go all that often. So we got a good amount. Uh, we got a, got a good amount of those trips. And then I lived 
basically right between both schools once I lived in Northwood. So I kind of I kind of always rooted for either team based on, you know, who was playing who, that sort of thing. That finally changed changed in my senior year because BG had something called it was like Media and Communications Day and it had all the different media organizations on campus. It had all the different heads of like the journalism and departments, all those different things. Those people were there and it sticks out in my head even more so because it was on a Friday night and we were fortunate enough to be playing in a playoff football game that night. So I had to like double, double, double check to make sure I could miss school that day for this college visit to make sure I could still actually play the football game. Not that I did anything until the later part of the game anyway, but that part is beside the point. And so I remember I went with my dad, just like you did. And we got to look at all the different organizations, you know, paper, TV, radio, all, all those different things. And then I walk up to a guy named Cole Friary with the Bowling Green radio sports organization. He tells me a couple different things. He tells me one, I can have a radio show. He tells me, too, I can call different games. He tells me, see, that I can do those immediately as soon as I get to campus. I could not have signed up for that email list faster than I possibly did. All right. Okay. <laughs> so it was, that's, it was, it kind of, it kind of was that simple. I, uh, I thought... I, the only slight change I did was really even before before I even got to college where I had it in my head that I wanted to do uh, broadcast journalism as my major. And I, I very easily, I think, could have. Um, but just the way my focus had shifted to knowing I wanted to do radio, knowing I wanted to do that. So my background then just kind of shifted from the broadcast journalism perspective to the telecommunications. Now it's called just media in general. I think at BG, they, they changed, they changed the degree name, like right after I got the degree. So my degree is like the last ones that say telecommunications on it technically because of that very next semester, they completely changed what they called everything because of, because you say that to a normal, you know, person who doesn't know, you know, just any random thing about college you say you have a telecommunication degree, they think, oh, are you a telemarketer? Oh, do you work for a telephone company? They hear that prefix and they just assume it belongs with something other than what it actually is. So BG decided to change that. They talked about changing it before I even got to school. They said, oh, we're going to change it soon. And they didn't change it for another four years. So that's how that worked out. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> that's... Uh, I, I will say, since you're talking about, you know, like BG made some adjustments like on the fly and it or, or tried to make them on the fly and it took the four years, like you just said. Um, for me, the, the, the one sales pitch, and it's hilarious because they've actually fulfilled it now, finally. We, we were promised a on-site football stadium and training facility. <laughs> Like that, that was the whole sales pitch. That was yeah. the, the whole part of the sales pitch of, oh, we're going to have a stadium on campus. Going to be playing games on the stadium for the, on campus for the first time in like a hundred years type of thing. And we're going to have a, a new high-end gym. None of those things happen. <laughs> <laughs> like three years ago, they finally announced that they were going to have a stadium on campus. And there's a lot of us from 
that first recruiting class. We still are in contact with each other. We still t- talk from time to time. <laughs> we were all like, well, the cr- class of 2011's uh, freshman promises have finally been fulfilled. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> well, on, uh, on that same vein, uh, we had been told we were going to get like new upgrades on various equipments and locations and things of that nature. And of course they filmed, they, they did that. They filled that, but they, a announced when it would actually be live, which it would be in the fall of 2016. Guess who graduated in the spring of 2016. That would be me. There you go. So that led to all new top of the line stuff starting then and not everything that we had was old. There were some things that were older than others, but it wasn't like everything was completely out of date because that's not true. But especially my last two years on campus, because they were looking forward to moving everything, they were put getting a whole new building, they were refurbishing it, they were completely redid a building on campus for media and communication. That led to mystery things just kind of happening at our locations which that building no longer existed it was west hall at the time and things would things would break things would just mystically not work and i would you know need some of those things fixed sooner rather than later and it would turn into ah we'll we'll do it later it's like um i know you're looking forward to 2016 i'm looking forward to getting out of here by then so if you could fix the production room for me that would be great because i walked in there one day it's a room not dis it not not too off from the room I'm in right now at the TCB studios. And it was I remember walking in one day to record some different things, and there were two speakers that were like on shelves up above, like not all the way up at the top of the wall, but like they were on the wall. Like they weren't quite to the ceiling, but they were up there for your, you know, complete sound. I walked in one day. Those were just on the ground. Oh, jeez. I had no sound. I had no, I had no, how can I do production if I don't have sound? You tell me, Matt. Well, the answer to that one is basically how I did production until my junior year. Because um, Heidelberg was the same type of problem. Our station was on the third floor of the oldest building on campus called Founders Hall. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how you would have done it. The production work without speakers. I, I didn't do production. I mean, I did production work. It was just very bad. And we did it without speakers for a while there, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's a challenge. Cause for us, um, the radio and TV station, they were across the hall from each other on the third floor of the oldest building on campus. Our equipment had not been updated for about 25 years inside the radio station. I'm generalizing, but we had been confirmed that it had been at least two decades since they had updated the equipment. (laughs) So there's this movie out there called Down Periscope. Stars Kelsey Grammer. He's like running this old World War II Navy sub in the modern Navy. There is a character in that movie called Nitro. If you ever look the movie up, he's their like electronics guy. Like he'll grab wires with his toes. 
grab the other one with his hand and let the electricity go through him so they can actually get a radio signal. Uh, the amount of times I had dangling wires, <laughs> I'm just sitting there like this. I'm either going to get electrocuted or I'm somehow going to develop superpowers based on all these wires that are just dangling next to me that were in that station. It, it was, God, just a terrifying room to be in half the time because of that. It was so scary. Just, just terrifying. I mean, the TV station was nice. We kind of had that set up pretty well. But yeah, that radio station, whew, Founders Hall radio station, the door didn't lock to the room. See, our door locked too often and it would lock us out of stuff. Yeah, ours didn't because the foundation of Founders Hall was starting to shift. So the third floor was technically at a three degree angle, I believe is what we were able to confirm finally. Um, so, so the door never fully locked. We, we would just like prop a chair up against it to make sure no one would come in as we were recording. So that, that was oh good, good times at founders hall studio was pro honestly, our studio was probably no bigger than the recording studio at TCB. Uh, the ju just to be perfectly, I mean, it was a tiny, tiny room and you know, I'm not a tiny, tiny guy. So <laughs> Having a co-host or having a guest come on the program, it it got toasty and it got comfortable in that room pretty quick. So it, it was nice when we moved into the bigger building down the down further in the campus. So do you do you remember your first game that you broadcasted? Your first show that you did on whatever on your campus radio. Do you remember what they were and how those went? Oh, absolutely. Uh, first broadcast was the Thursday after the Super Bowl where the Giants beat the Patriots when the Patriots were going to go undefeated. Note how I used past tense there that they were going to go undefeated because the Giants upset them. So that was my first show. I, I can also say definitively because of how bad that show went that was the first and last time i ever had a script for my show <laughs> that was that was the end of it 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 was such a terrible terrible show i mean like i you could tell i was reading off a script most of the time i was trying to be way too rigorous and stay on with the tempo of the show and trying to stay with what I wanted to be following the script. Oh God, it was just absolute garbage. I mean, now most of the stuff that I broadcast is just garbage as opposed to absolute garbage. Well, there you go. So, so we, we have dramatically improved as the years have gone on. Uh, yeah. That fir first broadcast I did was terrible. Um, but, but I was hooked after that. Like I'm sitting there. It's like, that did not sound that good. And I, I'll have a funny story in a second here to kind of follow up on that. But uh, first football game, first broadcast I did for sports would have been then the following uh, fall season. I was, I was actually the sideline reporter for my first year on the job. I, I, I sat down on the sideline. They didn't have a way to get me to remote in 
to the board inside the press box. Of course. So they didn't actually have me like talking live into it. If something happened that they wanted me to address, they would text me, tell me what they wanted me to get information on. I'd get the info. So like if it was an injury or if there was like a personnel change or something like that, I'd try and get the info. Then I would walk up into the press box. Yep. We did, we did the same thing with the hand mic and pretend that I was on the sidelines <laughs> and, do, and did that that way. And they would have me also, do, they also had me do the pre pregame show, halftime show and post game show. Um, but my first game that I did was Heidelberg versus Westminster out of Pennsylvania. Heidelberg won. The running back for Westminster ran for about 250 yards in the game. Just had a crazy good game. Really impressive player. And it was Matt Karlovec was the play-by-play guy. Brad Bowser was the color commentator. And I was the sideline guy. And about two games later, Brad had to step away from the station. He was at, he actually, he really wanted to put the focus on school. He was down to his last year. He was a senior. So he kind of just wanted to be done and put the focus on that. And about three days before I was going to do my first game as a color commentator, I actually went to the emergency room because I had a Bell's palsy attack where for the people that don't know what Bell's palsy is, it's, um, it's actually a little bit of a nerve disorder. It's something that can occur with people where part of your face goes paralyzed temporarily. So the left side of my face was paralyzed. I was wearing an eye patch. Couldn't move the left side of my mouth and three days later i did my first game as a color commentator like like a pirate who couldn't move half his mouth so like but by the end of the game i I mean bless my heart i tried my best on that one and and we did have a decent broadcast but by by the end of the game i'm i'm just slamming water in between interactions and my co the play-by-play guy matt asked me what was wrong and i i told him point blank i was like i haven't been able to move my cheek so as i've been talking i've just been biting my cheek the whole i i've been swallowing my own blood for like a quarter and a half now (laughs) oh my god and for reasons that defy logic i decided to keep doing it so that... (laughs) uh, that that should have been the the that should have been the sign there but uh get, getting back to my first official broadcast that i did where i said that it was terrible um one thing i always recommend to people we talked about how you got into the business how we got to where we are uh in last week's show definitely go back and check that out check that out download it make sure you subscribe hit the five star button all those fun things but um but one thing i always recommend to people is have an honest critic Someone that you know is honestly going to tell you whether you did good or bad um, can say without hesitation, that's my mother. My, 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 my mother, after that first show, she was like, it was good. It sounded like you read from a script the whole time, but it was good. 
It's like, okay. It's, at least she said it was good. And then about three weeks later, I had somebody come on the show. And it, as an interview, just was a train wreck. Just, like, the kids started going off on conspiracy theory tangents. Oh, gosh. And just, the, the, the show completely went off the rails. And I, I called my mother later that evening, called my mom later that evening, and was like, what'd you think of the show? And she's like, honestly, I turned it off after about 10 minutes because it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, wow. I mean, sugarcoated a little bit. And to this day, I tell people this is the best piece of advice I got. She's like, well, if I sugarcoat it and don't tell you when it's bad, you'll never be able to believe me when I tell you it's good. So if you have a bad show and you know it's a bad show, but I tell you it was a great show, you're not going to be able to believe me when I tell you it actually was good at that point. And I was like, well, that's, that's actually a really good point that it's makes you an honest broker. So that's, that is how I know if I have a good show or not. It's I'll be straight up told by my mom if it was good or if I sounded good or if I didn't. And yeah, for those first couple of shows, it was definitely a, oh, this needs a lot of work there, Matt. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, first, uh, first game I ever did, uh, it was, of course it was basketball. It was uh, BG versus Eastern Michigan. Uh, that game, I just did color. And it was, I mean, it was almost a storybook ending because BG won on a three in the last couple seconds. It was, it was a great finish to a game. And of course that, that is one of the things that of course can get you hooked as well. And and then the first, first game I ever did a play by play for was at only a handful of weeks later. It was BG versus Akron. And at that point in time, Akron was heads and head and shoulders, the best team in the Mac and was going to be an NCAA tournament team. They beat, uh, beat, 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 beat BG pretty handily. And I hope I never have to hear what that sounded like because I, <laughs> in the moment I knew it sucked. I knew it sucked later that day. I was just happy. I did my first one and it's done and out of the way. And just the feeling of remembering how bad that was made me want to get that much better moving forward. Oh yeah. So that's, that's, that, I mean, that's the thing. It's the, why we're still in this business is because my attitude as well in that moment was, wow, I really suck, but I can get better at this. Yeah. <laughs> at least I think I can. So yeah, that's <laughs> God, B, BG versus Akron back, back when you were uh, good. Well, that had to have been just a bloodletting of a yeah, game. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they lost by 20 something, but uh, I say my my first play by play, that was actually my junior year. I, I did color commentating my sophomore year, junior year until the last game of the year. My first play by play game was Heidelberg versus Muskingum in football. Heidelberg won on a last second hail mary, and it was an incredible game. Awesome finish apparently none of it actually went through because I forgot to flip a switch inside the studio before I left to go to Muskingum. Uh, of course. So 
everyone was like, we thought you were broadcasting the game today. I was like, I did. I was down there. Like, uh, uh, it was a, oh my God, it was a great game. They won on the last minute. You didn't hear any of it. Like, you didn't hear anything. Did you remember to sw- flip the switch? No. <laughs> like, well, did you have fun talking by yourself inside of a press box for an hour and a half? Yeah, it was a good time. Definitely want to do it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. What uh, what all sports did you uh, what all sports did you call when you were in school? Uh, well, I called football, basketball, volleyball, uh, baseball, and softball. We did one soccer match. Didn't go well. Um, <laughs> just didn't go well. Um. I didn't do it, but this kid that worked at the station with us, he actually got the idea to start doing wrestling and cut broadcasting the wrestling matches. And I, I'll give him a lot of credit, not get name drop because he's actually, I, I think he's still looking for work in the business, not wanting to take my job on this <laughs> one. But um, kid came up with a brilliant idea for it. I mean, he actually ran the broadcast for the wrestling matches kind of like a WWE broadcast. Like the way he, the way he was hyping everything up, the way he was getting into it, getting animated with his call. It, like I was really impressed, a very, very creative way to call a very technical sport. But in my time there, it was football, uh, basketball for both bo- men and women, uh, baseball, softball, and then volleyball. And primarily we did football, basketball, and volleyball. Baseball and softball was kind of just every now and then if we were weather permitting, if it was a good game, like good matchup. But those were the three sports we primarily did. So my, uh, my, mine are almost exactly the same uh, football, men's and women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball. I did one soccer match ever it was probably not very good it was it was my first time <laughs> watching a soccer a game in a minute call. so that was that was a big part of it as well uh and then i also i did one swimming and diving meet i did that for for espn3 my senior year and that was that was certainly interesting because i had not watched swimming since the last olympics at that point so it had it was it was all it was all new to me in that regard. Uh, our our stations did hockey. I never personally did hockey, but I would be I was one of the primary producers for hockey a couple couple years while I was in school. So we had we had lots of lots of different sports at BG. If uh, if if nothing else, where uh, where all did you get to? If you did get to travel for for your games, where what are some of the highlights for that? <laughs> okay, so. Obviously, Heidelberg being an OAC school, pretty much exclusively Ohio for that one in terms of traveling for broadcasts. Uh, I do have a bit of a funny story when it comes to uh, travel because it was my junior year and I was not in charge of the sports side of things yet. I wasn't sports director. I wasn't play-by-play guy. I was just the color commentator. But it kind of like the setup you and I have now, wherever Matt Karlovec wanted to go, I just kind of went along with him. Um, we were going to cover Heidelberg versus Westminster at Westminster, which is in Pennsylvania. And 
I was under the assumption that we were just going to drive ourselves there. And apparently Matt had set it up that we would go with the team, like actually travel with the team because they were staying the night at a hotel before the day beforehand. So it's like about a four hour drive to get there. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That's kind of different than what I expected. Not a big deal. Gets the week of the game. They need to pull our bus passes, our, our credentials for the bus because they needed to dress two extra players for the game. Not going to get into the full details, but a, a certain supervisor of mine went full ham on the situation, raised all kinds of stink, and we still ended up on the bus. <laughs> okay. And to in that moment, I have never experienced four hours of driving where I have felt more like public enemy number one inside of a moving vehicle in my entire life. We get to where the hotel is at. We are the last room on the farthest end of the facility away from everything else. Naturally. The air conditioning didn't work. There was one bed. So I ended up on the chair in the, like the chair that comes with like every desk that you see in one of those like roadside hotels or motels type of thing. The corner of our room, I don't know what kind of spider it was in the spider web. (laughs) I just know that I was fairly confident it could in fact eat one or both of us had it felt the need to do so because it was that freaking huge. <laughs> so we do the get we we wake up the next morning. Here's where I could tell we were kind of public enemy number 1 as well. You couldn't tell we before. We were given a 10 minute later departure time than what the bus was actually doing. <laughs> oh man. So I'm I'm pretty sure there was some machinations in place to abandon us in Westminster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah as payback for taking up the seats on the bus. Uh, but ter- turns out it was just a huge misunderstanding on that one. It, we Everybody had a good laugh about it afterwards, but that, that was my thought process. It was like, oh my God, they're going to abandon us to the mountains of PA. <laughs> way, way to go, man. I hope the seat on the bus was worth it. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, and, and it wasn't even that good of a game. I think Heidelberg won by like 30. I, I mean, it, it it was just a beating of a game. And it's like, the, almost became the equivalent of this could have been solved by an email type of thing. <laughs> so it's just, good Lord. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the craziest um, travel story. Everything else was all within state. Um when I took over as sports director and play-by-play, I, I I told Coach Hallett directly, it's like, I am never going to ask for a seat on the bus. Um, I, I only ask that if you guys do any overnights anywhere, if I could just send the bill for the room to the same people you guys do. That's it. That, that's all I ask. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to ask for you guys to front any bills for us or give us a seat on the bus. Just if you can let us know where to send the hotel bill to, 
that's all I want to know. So we didn't stay anywhere my senior year. All of them were same day trips. And my, my goodness, I'll, I'll tell you what, if you want to experience life, travel from Heidelberg to Marietta and then back to Heidelberg in the same day for a football broadcast. That is an adventure. Uh, so I was so I was pretty fortunate at BG. I went to every Mac school except Western Michigan for explanations that were beyond my control. It was because of other people that I ended up not being able to go to Western, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, while I was in school, also got to go to a couple different states for games. I mean, obviously I went pretty much everywhere in Ohio, parts of Michigan, and then Indiana. And Illinois too for NIU, um, but then we also had uh, I got to go to Tennessee for baseball. Uh, they played Eastern Tennessee State. Uh, got to go to Wisconsin. They played uh, one of the one of the Milwaukee like Wisconsin uh, girls teams. Uh, the women's basketball team played. Uh, got to go to the University of Virginia, which was the. I, I would say that's probably the best college venue I ever got to go to. That place was, that place was was, was immaculate at, at at the time, and of course, of course, still is. If you of course know know the know the history of Virginia basketball, it's a pretty good one. Um, so yeah, I was I was pretty fortunate with what uh with what I was able to do because we were we were flagship for at least while I was in school, we were flagship for volleyball three of my years. Um, then we were flagship for women's basketball the entire time I was there. And we did flagship for baseball my senior year. So when we did those games, we were with the team. We were doing all the stuff with the team that the team does. Uh, and then basketball, football games um, within within driving distance and, of course, home games were, were things we were able to do as well. So that was that was kind of long and short of the travel we got to do. I don't have any stories that really rival Rival, rival that of with uh, with your travel story. <laughs> rival nearly being abandoned in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, no, we've. I'm. I'm. I. I know we had times where like a miscommunication like that, but it was just that it was a miscommunication. We didn't think it was anything malicious at the time, like like you may have. So we've. Oh well. Well, here's the important thing to keep in mind. I am a paranoid human being, so. <laughs> Like my, my thoughts immediately go to they've abandoned us. Oh my God, how are we get back from Western PA? <laughs> and instead it's like, oh yeah, we actually changed the, the, the hotel made us change it this morning because they have another crew coming in with like three buses. They just needed us to be out a few minutes early. Yeah. And they were supposed to tell you and they didn't. So we're sorry. <laughs> to which my co-host was like, oh, not a problem. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I see through <laughs> your lies. I see what happened here. So the last last thing I want to talk about in this realm is funny moments. And you can go first on this unless you need to take some time to think about it. Do you have any funny moments you remember particularly on the air from your time in college? Funny moments on air from my time in college. See, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I've had entertaining moments. Like, I, I mean, when I had my own show, oh, man, uh, we, we had all sorts of stupid hijinks that we did on that show. Uh, it, it was it was fantastic. We did all sorts of dumb stuff. <laughs> um, so that that's 
okay, it's not necessarily funny, at least from general perspective, because if when you hear this part, you're like, okay, that's pretty standard. But for my show, my senior year, uh, the the new media communication center, the MCC, had this just a gorgeous panoramic glass window exterior where you could overlook like all the main roads on campus. So I had a show, but I had a show every day, but my show in particular on Wednesday nights was at 10 o'clock at night. Like I, I was the last show before the station would shut down for the night. And it kind of worked out because it was around the same time as my office hours as the sports director. So it made it pretty convenient, but I used to do a traffic report during my show. Now, doesn't sound that funny. This is in the middle of Tiffin, Ohio at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday on a school campus. I maybe had one car drive past where the studio was at (laughs) the whole time. So I'd be like, hey, here's your traffic report here for WHEI 88.9 FM and Looking outside, it looks like Andrew Miller's walking back from the cafeteria. I think I saw a car earlier. And, oh, look, there's Dr. Dickerson. He's getting into his car. He must be done for the day. Well, that's about it for the traffic report. Uh, weather outside is cold. It's, it's just cold because, you know, we're in Tiffin, Ohio. It's always cold around here. So, and, and uh, look, I, I know it's not, like, funny, funny. It's not a hilarious moment. But that, that one always makes me laugh. I always think about that because it's just, it was so cheesy. Why, <laughs> why do a traffic report in Tiffin, Ohio? It's a quiet town in the middle of a Wednesday night. It, it was just, just in good fun. Um, only other thing I can think of is anytime we would play In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, my studio manager would walk into the studio and just stand perfectly still listening and then would wildly do air drums when you get to the drum portion of phil collins is in the air tonight well, yeah, and that, that would that, just walk walk out immediately after that yeah like, that, he that, would just that, do the drums and walk away that's a law you have to do that well you have to do but the way he did it was just so creepy and funny <laughs> at the same time because he would just walk it and not say a word he wouldn't say a word wouldn't say anything to us if it was a co-host or just me, just stand there. And then as soon as the drums would hit, he just did this huge air drum routine. Like he probably had 30 drums in his head around him as he's hitting these things. And then we'll just walk right back out of the studio. It's just like, he's a ghost. He only shows up if I play in the air tonight. <laughs> so I've kind of, I've, I don't want to toot my own horn. I've definitely got you beat in this regard because Oh, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I, I say that only because I was production director of the org for my junior, senior year. So one of the things I was responsible for was doing highlights and bloopers for our like year interview at year end banquet sort of thing. So I have two of the funniest moments that I was involved in and I will play them for you right no. Oh, you you even have them. I have them. You have, have them, them at yes. the ready. Yes, I have Look them at the you ready. Go. I know. Chris Jenkins, a guy we got to meet a little sooner than expected as we walked in today to get our media passes, get the press row. 
We uh, said we were Bowling Green Student Radio, which of course we are. And um, needless to say, he directed an expletive at us. And yeah, so I was happy that he was held scoreless up to this point. He was not happy. And he would have been held scoreless, but the rim gave him a little bit of a friendly bounce, unlike the introduction that he gave us. Yeah, he uh, he said F y'all as soon as we walked in. So, Well, that's just fun. <laughs> So that was that was it was technically right before we got on the air, but it's still things. It was still that all counts. The same. That totally counts. And this one, you'll you'll appreciate this one more, a because it's football, b because it is it alludes to the dynamic you and I have now. This is what I had with one of my friends from college. Lynch in the shotgun, and he'll hand that off up the middle, and he'll be stopped. Looks like around the 53-yard line, about gain of about once. They'll bring up second and nine for Memphis. Where's a 53-yard line? <laughs> Am I blind here? It, it goes to 50, and then it changes again, Frank. And Lance has to call me out as usual. That was too perfect not to. Hey, hey you know. <laughs> Paxton Lynch rolling out to his left, looking right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, they were playing Memphis in future NFL bus. Yeah, Paxton saying, Lynch. I just heard Paxton Lynch there. It's like you, you're talking trash to your co host when Paxton Lynch is out on the field. <laughs> if you had said 53 yard line as well, I would have, I would have commented on it, and I did. Uh, look, look, I stare directly in the stadium lights. <laughs> watching point after tries and field goals. Okay. I, I, I would never say 53 yard line. Oh man. That was, that was for my senior year. And I, I, I still laugh at that clip. This is anytime I play. Oh, no, that's great. That, 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 that's fantastic. You absolutely. Yes. You, you win this round. <laughs> you absolutely win this round. Now, which one was funnier? Oh, that's <laughs> where's the 53 yard line. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just like how I I, yeah, le I left a little silence and then I'm like, where's the 53 yard line? And then he yeah, takes a minute to figure it out. It, it is astonishing how much that is like your and I's dynamic <laughs> on that one. It really is. Yet oh, somehow man. you still play. You you still played the uh, straight faced guy to my shenanigans. That's the part that's a little disappointing. I'm the color commentator. I should be the one pointing those things out. Instead, I'm the goof. Oh, goodness. Uh, with that's that, a good one. With that, that, that is a quality, that's a quality audio drop and quality funny story from your broadcasting days. Oh, gosh. With that, let's transition and talk now with Michael Hearn. So with that, let's officially start our on-air version of the conversation as we have Michael Hearn joining us, one of the guys that I refer to as uh, one of our broadcasting frenemies because we are typically on opposite sides of each team when we come together for a game. He's the play-by-play -play voice for OG Girls Basketball along with St. Mary's Football. You can follow him on Twitter at MichaelHearnPBP, and you can find all of his great thoughts and also updates from the games he's calling and other games around the area there. So first, before Beautiful. we can 
Before we can uh, get into any of that, congratulations are in order. We have not officially on the air wished you well for the birth of your daughter, Avery. Congratulations. Thank you. She actually just turned uh, eight weeks yesterday, and uh, she slept with Daddy last night. Uh, Mommy was actually able to get some sleep, I hope. And it's crazy because all the things that I thought were important before, and with the crazy way the tournament was this year, too, she was born about two weeks before the tournament started. And uh, kind of a, I, I've told people this is a full disclosure thing. I had to uh, go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, You know, your blood pressure's high. <laughs> I said, That's fine. Check back with me in a month. Uh, <laughs> we'll do whatever you want in a month. But uh, I just had a new baby, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm in my most stressful six weeks <laughs> of the year. So if you could come back in April, well, why? I'm not going to get into it and explain it to you, but. <laughs> This is not knowing where you're going to be every night for six weeks is kind of a, a big deal. And also now trying to work in a new baby and, you know, try and help your wife every once in a while is kind of a thing. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just touch back in April. <laughs> I, yeah. You, you know what? I, I, again, congratulations, man. That That's awesome. That um, I, I, I just have the very fortunate opportunity of being the really cool uncle for my two nieces that are three and two. And I, even in that situation, I, I just echo what you said. So many things that used to be important don't mean jack squat well, after the, that one. But. The other thing is, is my wife told me about a week before Father's Day uh, last year. And in the last five years, uh, she and I have unfortunately lost each one of our parents. So no. my daughter has no grandparents. And um, <laughs> the weird thing is the person that I am is an idiot because – she says, uh, you know, she tells me, and I'm like, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And she tells me the date, and it was originally February 18th. Well, our daughter ended up coming 15 days early. But my stupid self goes, oh, yeah, that's the Saturday of uh, the tournament starting. <laughs> <laughs> that's sectional final Saturday. Oh, see, that's that's not stupid self. That, that's that's broadcast. Because you – uh, true now to now to you right. that's incredibly stupid stuff but oh yeah no, I, immediately I, when it came out of my mouth i was like oh bro <laughs> happiest moment of your life and you say something stupid like that <laughs> but but really though it isn't that the part of the moment that you remember and then you laugh about since since everything else kind of falls by the way so i mean it's now yeah, now I'm sure it was like a week plus on the couch at that point beforehand, but oh yeah, no, she didn't think it was funny. No, probably not. Well, wait until me. first, wait until kindergarten, and probably then it'll be a little more entertaining. She laughs now. She laughs now. Fair, fair enough. Well, uh, my question I was going to ask that we clearly just deviated completely away from that. It's just fun conversation. Anyone who's ever heard my podcast knows that's exactly how anything with me goes. Anyway, <laughs> of course, that, that that's how any conversation with broadcasters go. Uh, what I was going to say is, but besides congratulations, besides the fact that I mean, you and I speak on Twitter a good bit. I can I consider you one of the best ones out there, besides Lance and myself. I, I I'm always happy to toot your horn on your behalf uh, i i do need to drop the gauntlet and say how dare you get more games than us <laughs> at the end of this season by having columbus grove and og and all these teams make such a great run uh, as kind of like the broadcasting voice for that area how did it feel to be so extremely represented at the end of the season in the state tournament 
you know, I've been very lucky in my life. Um, I have the number. I think it's like 25 state championships I've got to do now. And about 60, I think it's around 60 state semis. Um, I'm in a very weird position in that where I live is almost perfectly equidistant from about 60 schools in our area that I cover on some kind of basis. And the two stations that I work for, uh, the two radio stations predominantly, um, have so much great talent. And a couple of years ago, Minster played Audeville in the state semis. And I kid you not, it is the exact distance from my house in Spencerville to go up route 66, one way to Audeville and down route 66, <laughs> the other way to Minster. And those games are weird for me. And the Columbus Grove Botkins game is sort of the same way in that we hadn't really covered Botkins with K94 and Salina all year. It just sort of worked out in the tournament of, you know, hey, they're local. We can get some spots, whatever. But I've done a lot of Grove games over the years for WZOQ Radio and Z Sports Live. So it was neat, but it was also very odd because it's, okay, here's a team that you follow on this station, but you're technically the voice of the other team on the other station because, you know, so it's, you, you don't, you don't root because you're trying to tell a story, but sometimes I would say storytelling was probably 70, 30 in terms of being more Grove heavy, just because I can close my eyes pick a kid and tell you 10 minutes worth of stuff. So it was cool, but it was also very weird. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so happy for the area. I mean, anytime Northwest Ohio does anything, I'm about as 419 as you can get, um, despite the fact that my phone number starts with 567. But <laughs> that's, that's still counts. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cl- close enough in that regard. I mean, we have, we've had some similar stuff, at least, at least this past season, it was, you know, not quite the state title level area, but we had, you know, we had Carey taking on Tiffin Calvert in uh, district final. I mean, those are both teams we've followed off and on depending on the sport. I mean, we, we followed Calvert volleyball down to a state title game where against New Bremen, another place, of course, where we were uh, right next to you, a matter of fact. (laughs) And so, I mean, we, we, we get that as well. So you, you mentioned some of the different things that you do and like you said, where you are, you are around so many different schools. What exactly is your main job title? Is it just broadcasting or is there other stuff too that we don't really know about? Well, there's right now it's dad or, uh, you know, guy who drives to doctor's appointments well, or, you know, guy that baby sleeps on kind of planks on for a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm very blessed in my life. Uh, I haven't had a, a quote-unquote real job for uh, pretty close to 10 years now. Uh, I got fired from the last place that I ever worked. Uh, it was a TV station in Lima. I won't tell you which one, but you can figure it out. Um, that uh, a week before my wedding. Ooh, wow. Actually, the week, actually, take that back. It was actually the week of my wedding. I was getting ready to go because I, I worked like Wednesday through Sunday or whatever. So I was getting ready to go on vacation for two weeks. My my wedding was six days later, and I got fired that week. Now, in in a weird retrospect, it's actually the best. You know, everybody says this all the time. It's actually the best thing to ever happen to me, because I wasn't uh, I wasn't getting to do. I was doing just some semi pro football stuff back then, and that was just Saturday nights, and I had to use leave to do it. And it made me kind of go, okay, this is what I've wanted to do for my life. 
if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to push this. So I did a lot of, a lot of stuff that you, you kind of hustle on your own, you know, you do. Um, and I wasn't working for really radio stations back then. I started getting in with Z sports live and then eventually got K 94 and, I am lucky now. My wife has a really good job. It works for the government. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause people are weird, but I'm able to kind of patch things together in terms of being, uh, I, in a normal year, a couple of years ago, I did 300 games. Oof, wow. I don't, I don't remember what last year was. I think it still ended up being around right around 200, like 205 or something. But, that's uh you know a, a Saturday afternoon girls game during basketball season and a boys game at night, and you know uh, two tournament soccer games or you know a football game Friday night a football game Saturday night it's a lot of that kind of patchwork thing, and it, it's refreshing in a way because I get to pick the schedule so I can always I don't have a lot of dog games because if I'm smart, which is a whole other thing but <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> You know, because I, I get to pick what I do. So everybody's like, I don't understand how you get all these great games. Well, I this is my life. You know, I know who's in a normal year supposed to be good and who, you know, how things are going to go. So I pick those games. Well, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have to watch Team A play Team B because neither one of them are good. <laughs> and I know that. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean. Just, you know how that goes, trying to foresee the future of, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, you're picking those games in August. Well, what are they going to look like by October? Mm. See, it, admittedly, that's Lance's job. And having said that, I'm going, to, I, I'm going to directly communicate with you from now on to give me any ammunition for what games I'm going to tell him starting in October that we should have picked. Maybe going a lot further south. Very, very condescendingly said, you know, we could have done this game instead. Right, right. <laughs> Just kind of look at my schedule and say, what's Hearn doing? We should have yeah, done that. What, what, what's Hearn doing? which one should we be doing and why aren't we doing it? But that, I mean, that's great. 300, 300 games in a typical year in between 200 or 300 uh, with that one. I know a question I get all the time from people is how do you keep it all together in your head? Like the rosters, the teams themselves, the stories, the background on them. I, I usually have to tell people the truth where it's like, I, I pick one of the teams and I really study them hard. So that way, when I get there, on game day, I just have to worry about the others. Like, how do you do it with that big of a slate year in and year out? Um, I see a lot of the same teams and a lot of the same kids in every sport. I mean, just as a, for instance, we use Ottawa Glendorf. You know, I do their girls basketball program. So uh, they played 29 games this year. I was at 25. Now, I always miss one or two in the beginning of the season because football, they always play like the first Friday night uh, around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I always miss the Kaleida game because I have uh, – it's usually state semifinals. Now, this year was totally different, but um, you just kind of – half of them are getting to see kids in every sport because those girls, I see them in volleyball. I see them in soccer, sometimes softball, and you're just kind of able to, okay, well, there's half the information down. Now, what's on the other side? Now, I, I will tell you that basketball during the tournament this year was a lot different. I had to rely on a lot more things that I already knew because I wasn't getting as much time to try to kind of get that stuff down with the baby and what would normally be kind of didn't go that way. But uh, I lied, by the way, 
2020 was 231. 2019 was 304. I just looked it up. <laughs> numbers bother me, but yes, it, the, the numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I I have uh, I do a lot of uh, I call it coloring. Like for football, my charts are ridiculous. I spend, I would say, a good ten hours at least on a chart per week, and a lot of it is there's a big thing, and and you guys know like about how you do your prep, and everybody, oh, you should do it this way. Well, who cares? As long as it works <laughs> for you, I don't care how it goes. Mine works for me. I I take a uh, a giant, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a tat, like a construction paper, like a <laughs> poster board. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm not working, so words aren't coming to me. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of how it goes. And flip it over now. You put offense and defense on one side and then flip and go offense, defense on the other side. And I handwrite everything. And I have different pens and they're different colors. And everybody's, oh, I don't understand why you do all that for one game. Well, if you've ever seen some of the NFL broadcasters, they do the same thing in that when you, I'm of the belief that when you write it down, you commit it to memory doesn't always work for everybody they like to have the information at their fingertips but it for me it works and if that doesn't work for you that's fine but it does get sometimes crazy where i would say 80 percent of the time i see the same 60 teams you know it's different when we get to tournament and i've got you know like your guys with tiffin or carrie or somebody i'm not 100 percent familiar with but that goes back to I spent hours just researching the dumbest things on the internet of, you know, would this make grandma in Florida laugh? You know, and, and I, I like, that's the challenge for me that I absolutely adore is trying to find that one little thing where someone is next to me or across the way listening. And they're like, how did he know that? That's the nerd in me right there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Matt likes to kind of he doesn't do it too often, but he he will make remarks about some of my prep work too. I would say my my football stuff is similar but not quite as intensive on that regard cuz I just do cardstock papers and I do handwrite my football stuff too. And Matt will sometimes, you know, make jokes about that. I know basketball, I do my stuff a little differently than most. It's still like the same kind of spotting chart that most broadcasters would be used to seeing but I like try to put the people that are going to see the most time in the game I will put them at the top and then kind of work my way down so it's not it's very rarely in actual numerical order but it's in the order that my brain knows okay 21 that's uh, that's that person 23 so on and so forth I do that and Matt will sometimes be like oh you have all these different papers la di da and I'm like well yeah, I now know who is where. That Matt, that's that's why I do that. See, see, you, see, you're giving me sass right now on this one. <laughs> full. This is a full disclosure to our listeners to to Michael, which I'm sure is going to make his res- limited respect level he has for me drop even further at this stage. Um, I'm very much just because of repetition, because. Uh, in the time before I started working with Lance, I did seven years of working the dot com covering teams like Tiffin Calvert, covering teams like Carey. Um, all, all it just became such a repetition for me. Say, for example, we have a Liberty Benton Carey game. I know it's few and far between, but 
I can sit there and talk about kids from six years ago, present a story and a narrative from those kids. It's like, oh yeah, that's his little brother that's out there at quarterback now. And Lance shows up with all these papers. I show up with a bag that has my headset in it and then just kind of sit down and just whatever rosters they handed me at the, at the ticket gate is just kind of what I go with. Now I will give Lance a lot of credit yeah, but it's in his, it, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's a different thing in that he's doing play-by-play, though. You should be able to do that. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, you know, the analyst thing or the color thing, however you want to look at it. Of, you should be able to just sit down and tell me a story. I One of my uh, uh, favorite people to work with is a guy named Steve Wiener, and we haven't gotten to for a while, but he would do that where I'd look at him sometimes like, did you not bring anything? <laughs> and he would sit down and he'd rattle me off a story where I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> well, and, and you know, that's the thing. And that's part of the dynamic that's pretty unique. And I, I know I enjoy it with Lance. Is, uh, I, I make the joke off air with Lance a good bit. It's like, okay, so is t- tonight a night that you're going to let me off the leash, as it were? Where it's like, are you, are, are you going to let me kind of be the id of this broadcast or say, let, let, let's just call it as it is because we've all seen it time and time again. Let's say we have an experience of the officiating that we saw from Tiffin Columbian versus Toledo Central Catholic. Are you going Yeah, where it's <laughs> like, oh, wow, that they know what a whistle is. That's good. At least they figured that out by the fourth quarter. Someone like yourself, someone like Lance, you guys totally can't necessarily say that because you got to keep with the flow of the game, keep with the tempo of the game. It depends on how you frame it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean, you, you guys. Like, my famous thing is. You know, something will happen, and I'll say, oh, the folks in the blue and gold don't appreciate that one, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. It's just a matter of saying yeah. you screwed up, but not just, dude, you are terrible. <laughs> like, you you should not have gotten out of bed today level of bad. Like, you just need to try again tomorrow. Well, but that, that's... you say that, too, because I actually have a guy, his name is Phil Schumann, who I work with, that he used to be an official. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of those district or regional games in Van Wert. I'm not used to there being a regional in Van Wert this year um, with uh, Grove and Bremen. And there were a couple of just terrible calls from some gentlemen from the Cleveland area who were doing the officiating. And he pointed that out. And, and one of the official observers had said too, that he's like, I asked a guy and he didn't know why he made that call. And he's like, that calls on the other end of the floor. How did you, I, I don't know. And Phil called it out. Well, I kind of had to leave it alone just kind of for that same reason of, okay, yes, it was a thing that happened, but we're now three minutes past that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of shots have gone up since that point. Yeah, I've definitely yeah, gotten I've definitely gotten very good at, oh, the student section doesn't like that or th- things of that nature. And then when it gets to a certain point, that's when and, and Matt's I'll, I'll give Matt some credit on this. Matt is very good at knowing by the tone changes that I will have, whether it's, oh, that was a ticky tack or, oh my gosh, why are they doing that? It's it it slowly can rise depending on the exact nature of the game and the the Colombian and Central Catholic game. That, that's at least one of our most famous basketball games in that regard because that was ooh, that was that was that was rough. You're never going to make everybody happy. I mean, somebody's, you know, going to email you or in my first game at uh, doing St. Mary's football about six or seven years ago now for KKI, there have been 43 years where the station has covered 
St. Mary's football. And in that time, there have only been three play-by-play guys. And I'm the third of that group. Well, I'm very, very different from the other two. And the very first night, I'm, I'm not kidding you, not even before halftime, this dude calls up, is an older guy, and he says, hey, um, that guy sucks. <laughs> right? So the, the board op is, is texting me, and I'm going back and forth with him. And he's like, some guy just called up and complained. He said, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I pretty much told him to eat it. And he's like, is it just possible that, you know, he's so different from the last guy that you just don't, you know, know what to do? And he's like, I think I broke the guy. <laughs> and it was one of those nights where I took a lot of heat for a lot of things. I, I'm a very, well, I'm a very open person by nature, but I think that, you know, your storytelling isn't necessarily always just, you know, first and 10 or between the lines or whatever, but it's about how you frame yourself too, because you're a product, but you shouldn't get yourself in the way of doing it. But a lot of people don't realize that they try to make themselves a story. Things you say and the way you say them is a story itself. People will get to know you once they all got to know me and realized how I am. I like to have fun. I'm not trying to mock the game, but you know, I always do like uh, this day in history. Hey, did you know that today is blah, 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 blah. Now, whether that's rough writer history or just general Wikipedia knowledge is a whole other thing, but it, it's just about how you do it. And, you know, Matt and I have talked about that, about you guys getting hate mail. And uh, I mean, those people can eat it because <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I enjoy what you guys do. Uh, the, the, there is genuinely a, a game and I brought Carrie Liberty Benton up <laughs> for a reason on this one. Since, since we're on the subject of, you know, fan backlash or fan negativity, um, it was called as it. I was less than glamorous in describing Liberty Benton and Carey one particular postseason. What well, was informed by a gentleman from Carey that I clearly had never played a sport day in my <laughs> life, based on my broadcasting assessment. And wouldn't you know it? One of the first games that we did basketball season that year was Liberty Benton at Carey. So, so Lance just turns to me and it's like the, Hey, this is the, everyone hates Matt ball. <laughs> well, and if you could be self deprecating about that too, like I do that all the time where some play will happen and be like, you know, I, I batted uh, less than a hundred my senior year, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been able to hit that pitch. Oh. And every once in a while I'll get somebody who's just like, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> I, I mean, you kept listening. You came back every week. <laughs> Oh, that, 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 that's me 100%. And this is another one that Lance can test you. I, I bring up that I averaged four points a season in basketball. Possibly. Year, so you're better than me. Uh, po- possibly every single game when people start missing shots. When it starts getting hungry. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I averaged four points a season. Who am I to judge? <laughs> I, if you're not having fun, there's no point in doing it. I mean, I, I know a lot of guys, and, and there are a lot of guys in the area, I think, unfortunately, who – I wouldn't listen to them. Well, I can't make any of the analogies that I want to, but (laughs) you know, there are guys, uh, Kenny Stabler at WKSD in Van Wert is one of my favorite people. And I think is the best broadcaster in the area because I would listen to him describe paint dry. And, you know, there are truly great broadcasters. I think who you are not a fan of the team. I, I do not like Ohio state. I've made this very clear, but I love Paul Keels. Because I can turn it on and I'm like, man, like I would almost be a Buckeye fan. Joe Tate was that way. 
where, you know, growing up, I, I he just unfortunately passed away about a month or so ago, but um, I had the privilege of meeting Joe Tate a couple times and uh, nicest human being that I've ever met. And, you know, I know, you know, Matt, you appreciate this being from the Cleveland area and that he was every man, you know, Andre Knott, who's uh works for Cleveland Indians. Ooh, sorry, the Cleveland baseball team told me a story about him and just how gracious he was. And he basically told him, you know, screw everybody who hates you. Just always be you. And I kind of took that of, well, that's awesome because Joe with the, the flashy sweaters and everything, he actually used to come down to Lima every year to Fox 25 and well, it was TV 67 then and do a high school game every year when the Cavs were on the all-star break and he would just sit in and just, he's never been to Columbus Grove in his life. He's never, you know, been to Bath or like all these places and just come down, call game and just made everybody's day. And and I always thought like, if you ever, let's say, make it in life, always be that kind of guy. And you're either good at your job or you're not. Five people will come in, three of them will love you, two of them will hate you. But they'll be listening every week if you do it right. Absolutely. I, I, I will only jump in real quick and then let Lance take back over again, just because he dro- drop, dropped some Cleveland on me. And I, I will echo that. Say I got to know Joe Tate personally in my time working at a clear channel and also in my time just broadcasting overall. And my, my little side story with that is I did some onsite production work at clear channel when the Cavs were their primary affiliate. And I was actually basically the gopher for Joe Tate and Joe, Joe would always have like either something from home or something like that. One day he shows up and he brought a diet Dr. Pepper for me in a can. <laughs> just, just like, I, I'm just this gopher intern kid running back and forth to grab his stats, get him food, stuff like that. And before we even get going, he just pops out diet Dr. Pepper hands and he's like, Oh, I brought this from home for you. Like really? really <laughs> like of of all the things to think about before you cover a game and before you do your job you thought about me for just a second it's yeah I, I, we could have an entire hour and a half just to joe tate stories but anyway lance by all means take take it away again <laughs> as we continue here on lance and matt plus we did get some uh breaking news uh just a few moments ago and this uh, affects one of our Great friends in Michael Hearn, we see the notification that Roy Williams is, in fact, retiring. He's, of course, the currently the North Carolina basketball coach, has been at Kansas and some other places as well, but predominantly known for, for those two spots. And, Mike, if I uh, remember correctly, you are a Tar Heel fan, so what is your uh, live reaction to this? Well, I just texted my wife, and she just said bye with an exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I've... I've uh, complained about this for the last handful of years, but pretty much since I think 2012. Um, this is crazy because, you know, I joked about that, but there's something going on. There's something bigger going on in North Carolina right now because they already had one guy declare for the draft. There's uh, rumors. They Ron sharp and Armando Baycott. Uh, their parents are on Twitter saying they're going to leave. You know, everybody's in the transfer portal. Um, I don't like what's going on in North Carolina right now. I thought they were lazy all year, and I thought that was maybe a product of Roy. Now, what's fascinating is what they do next because they've got a top 10 recruiting class, if I remember right, coming in. They're supposed to have uh, a terrific set of guards, but what does Caleb Love do? 
you know, now that do you, how do you change the offense? It's got to be a fast paced offense. Where do they go? I mean, North Carolina across the front of the chest is a big recruiting coup, obviously, but what do you do with the coaching? I mean, I, my hope is I, I hope they don't do this, but it'd be somebody like Josh Pastner, who's at Georgia tech where, and I don't mean Josh Pastner specifically because I, I feel like he's pretty entrenched there and they really haven't won anything, but uh, it'd be one of these flashy hires. You'd think you'd get a major coach, right? I mean, <laughs> Mac Brown's turned a football program around. Can we just have him coach the basketball team too? <laughs> See, in my mind, I, I hear one name echoing across the cosmos. And it's almost, I'm almost tempted to say it just because I want to see your reaction as I say it. But I, I hear the name Thad Mata just echoing. Thad Mata, that's across. a cross. He just, he just signed to be an assistant. Uh, and he's like some fancy term where in they some pay role him a bunch at, of money at Indiana. At yeah, Indiana. yeah it's, he, he, he's getting a lot of money just to pretend to talk basketball to the coaching staff at Indiana, I believe. Right. I mean, that's but, but that that is, I mean, yeah, for, for anyone tuning in on this one, the breaking news that Roy Williams is retiring as the head coach of the University of North Carolina. So you, you mentioned Passner, like a Passner type of coach to bring in um, for that at current roster that still I got, has I got my name when you guys are ready for it. Oh, well, I'm okay. glad Shaka Smart just got a job at Marquette. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's Smart. that's there's oh, that. there we uh, go. But my uh, my nominee is going to be a guy who was someone who played at North Carolina is already currently a coach Jerry elsewhere. Stackhouse. It is Jerry Stackhouse. That is correct. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I knew the Vanderbilt thing was coming. I don't know. He's he doesn't have the pressure. I don't think he's ready for a job like Carolina. Vanderbilt is yeah. a whole different animal. You can be in the bottom of the SEC. Nobody cares. I mean, you've got that weird court there where it's elevated oddly. Yeah. There's no pressure. You sit behind the basket, even before social distancing. <laughs> but I I don't know because he I don't think he's a guy who's ready. I mean, I think it's gonna be someone who you're gonna you're, you're gonna look at and you're gonna go, okay, well his his connection to Carolina makes sense, but hopefully his credentials make sense because that that's that's a high pressure thing. And especially next year. I think it's kind of a make or break thing as far as recruiting goes with, do you get Caleb Love? Do you get Dayron Sharp? Do you get Armando Baycott back? Uh, Sterling Manley hit the transfer portal. Good riddance. Um, I, I mean, I just, I don't know, you know, with COVID and, and the end, hopefully the end of that and, and next season being normal. Uh, I don't know where they go to be honest with you. Uh, well, I was, I was going to follow that up by saying, do, do you think this could be an opportunity since the, world is starting to get back to normal where maybe you see like a former player with a big connection to UNC step in. I mean, Lance just mentioned Jerry Stackhouse just offhand. I'm trying to go through the UNC teams that we've seen over the years with with Matt Doherty. <laughs> so you take a Tyler Hansborough as the head coach. If, over, if, if Matt Doherty and Tyler Hansborough are my options, yes. <laughs> you know what's funny is while we're talking about this, I just had four people text me and say, "Who's UNC's next coach?" <laughs> well, I guess that word got out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, Roy Williams retires suddenly. People pay attention, but I, I actually my genuine question for you: you've mentioned it a couple times as a good riddance for some people, and then talking about it. What are your thoughts on how much the transfer portal has 
become an impact just in NCAA sports, period. I mean, I joke. Really? Okay. I hate it, honestly, because I, I get it. Let's just use the Johnny Juzang as an example, for instance. He's at Kentucky. He's playing 14, 15 minutes a game. The theory is he would have sat behind a couple of guys this year who are in the NBA now, a couple of high-dollar draft picks that are coming out too. But it's it's different for a guy like Johnny Juzang who's having success at UCLA because he's a, a California kid. He's L.A. born and bred, and he had a chance to go home and, and hang out with Mick Cronin. Why anybody wants to do that, I'll never understand. <laughs> Big but, facts. Um, he – he says, you know, all the right things of there are, there are differences in a kid just wanting to leave because he doesn't want to work his tail off and a kid wanting to go home, be closer to family. He's got a big family, you know, he's got <laughs> brothers and, and a sister and it worked out for him, but there are a lot of kids who, Oh, this didn't go how I want. Mom says I should have played more. I'm an all American. Well, who cares? Guess what? Every one of those kids on that roster is too. And I just think it's too easy now for, kids to just be like mm, okay i'm just i'm just gonna go and trying to think uh quad uh, green was a kid that played for kentucky a handful of years ago three or four years ago and he quit and he quit on the team midway through the year and he transferred he was gonna i think he ended up at washington but there's was rumor he's gonna go to villanova and i remember thinking well he's from philadelphia okay because they would always say that on the broadcast Quade Green's from Philadelphia. I know you just said it, <laughs> uh, but I just think it's too easy now for these kids to. Well, I was here for a year. I'm just going to move on, you know. With that and the whole the way the G League thing is, mm-hmm. uh, I I want my kids to come to my program and stay there. You know, I realize Tyler Hansborough is is a weird example, but in that he was committed there and. You want to go. You want to get your education, and I think that's something that kind of gets lost. You get your education for life. Okay, well, I don't really care about that. Lonzo Ball, you know, he was never going to be a college kid, and it's just weird. I just think it's too easy now for kids to just say, oh, well, the heck with this. I'm out of here. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I, I would say I, the reason I bring that up is, I mean, I look at the transfer portal. You see coaches really from all the sports just kind of grimacing and grinding their teeth about saying, oh, woe is the program because this transfer portal is so easy. But then you see, what was it, three out of the five Heisman finalists last year were all transfer portal kids. And the kid that won it was a transfer portal with Joe Burrow. I I mean, it's uh, then just basketball across the board. It's, it, it seems almost as if it's, turned from what it was meant to be what you were talking about where hey i want to be close to home that's just not a genuine fit here at this program it's nothing against you guys i just need to go to a place where it's a little bit closer a little bit better of a fit where it's turned into free agency almost where you're almost actively recruiting through transfer portals now which if you did it in pro sports would be contract tampering i mean (laughs) you know it's just weird how you can just say well, you know, if you're not happy, you can always come to our school. Well, I get that. You know, you're, it, sports is different in that colleges are kind of employees more than anything right now. But I, that's a whole mess, too. But, you know, I mean, the NCAA has done about everything wrong that you can in the last six months with this whole thing. But I just, I don't know. I, maybe it's just because I'm friends with so many coaches that 
I hear it all the time of, you know, there are exceptions, obviously, again, like I talked about, but it's just kind of, for me, you chose to go to the university and then you found out, Oh, everybody else was conference player of the year, district player of the year, all state, all American, all this. And they work harder than I do. Well, I'm old enough now that I can hear my dad saying, you know what that means? You just need to work harder. Mm-hmm. It's not always the most talented kid, but now you've created a, uh, do whatever you want. And this is more of a societal thing. I think right now than anything of, well, it's fine. You didn't get your way. Just go do something else. That's, yeah, that's stuff. Uh, I, I will echo that. Say there, there is a big societal thing of, how do how do I say this? How do I say this in a way that it doesn't turn into anything way more? Uh, here, you, you know, I have to put it this way: it, it's become a participation trophy type of thing, right? Where it's you're, you're not teaching, and you're not seeing in some instances, especially with this transfer portal, you're not seeing the instance of okay, this is how you adapt to losing. This is how you adapt to not getting the desired result instead of just switching where you're trying to get the result from you, you see people that just choose not to work harder that that's that i mean that's society as a whole as of late where it's like oh well things aren't complete nine out of ten things are going my way the one out of ten though is just it's too much to bear i can't do it i have to move on and it's like no you learn how to work with those things and that's that for me is where the transfer portal, I, I have a bit of an issue because it's, oh, well, they just recruited this quarterback or they just recruited this point guard. And clearly that means they don't like me. I'm insulted. I need to transfer. No, that means they want to push you because they recruit this guy. And if you are that good, you're going to beat them regardless. You're, you're going to beat Justin them. Fields who had that big issue with where they wouldn't let him transfer in terms of uh... – location but then they had like six kids that they let transfer to florida and yeah. they were from like across the country oh they let them transfer to miami yeah it's, the, 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 with, with justin fields honestly he's kind of the one that kind of broke open eventually this whole transfer mm-hmm. portal thing because georgia sidelined him that hard through the transfer protocols and then just basically let everybody else do whatever they want except justin fields so uh, he he's kind of uh, outside of gaining us NCAA football. Him and Trevor Lawrence this past season really banging the drum for that. It's uh, he's kind of the one that really opened up this portal can of worms as well. Yeah, that, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things. I think we we could we could talk for two hours about that at least. Uh, so one thing I do want to ask Mike about is uh, something we talked about when I was on your podcast, and we talked about uh the bad venues we've had for calling games. And Matt knows uh, exactly what our perspective Lance, was on that on this year. you podcast without me? I know, I know. I'm sorry. around the herd. It's on iTunes. Yes, Just there you go. Throw that out there. <laughs> Got to let him get the plug in. But it was, it was about our situation because of the social distancing rules where we ended up broadcasting Macomb football from the school. And it was uh, a less than ideal situation, so... If you want to hear that there's your there's your additional plug to go check out that older episode of around the hern so mike where's where are some of the 
individual and weird locations you've broadcasted from and could be because your your view was weird or because you didn't have the right accommodations maybe the weather was just that bad too what what are what are some of those uh some of those things that stick out in your mind yesterday as a matter of fact <laughs> it's as weird as this is it's kind of a perfect segue i didn't get to talk to anybody about this yet okay so every once in a while i think i'm smart and uh i come up with these things that I'm going to try. And I've done a lot of, lot of things. Uh, semi-pro football is one that has given me, and I got a really good story for you about that. But yesterday I was doing baseball at four Jennings and I thought I was smart. Uh, my wife went over in Cleveland and I've been looking for one of these uh, big pods forever, right? These all weather pods that you can sit in. So I got a, a two XL one. Well, I used it yesterday for the first time because I was sitting outside. Well, what I found out is, no matter how smart you think you are and how much you think you can weigh down the sides, um, wind at 22 miles an hour is not helpful. So I'm sitting there. My table, of course, is like three inches too big from fitting inside the pod. So all of my stuff is sitting on the desk. My computer is blowing back and forth. And the wall to my right keeps smacking me on the side of the head. And... <laughs> It's just one of these stupid things like throughout the whole course of the game. And full disclosure, I've not slept a lot lately, and I almost fell asleep calling the game. Like that's – it was just – it didn't have anything to do with the game. It had to do with, you know, a couple hours a night is not conducive to helping your brain. But my favorite, like, dysfunctional thing is – I mean, I've called games in barns. There's uh, – I do a lot of Legion baseball. And uh, where were we? Sandusky. They have a barn behind home plate and we I had to clear out some things and I'm not 100% sure that someone didn't need a pooper scooper shovel in there before <laughs> you know we got in but uh, we made it work but my favorite is okay gosh this has been a while ago um John Fanta who is on Fox Sports and uh FS1 and is a terrific follow he follows all the Big East basketball he was a senior in high school and he's now uh, 22. So, yeah, this would have been a while. 23, 24, something like that. We were at Cleveland Central Catholic. And I was doing a semi-pro football game. We get there. And I now I've talked to the AD. And some of these semi-pro games are sketchy because they will not necessarily let you use the school's facility because they rent the field. They don't always rent the rest of the facilities i.e the press box and we walk up there and i've got all my stuff and the field manager whatever he is comes up and he says what are you guys doing so well sir we're here to broadcast the game you know i talked to you earlier this week blah blah blah, blah. oh yeah no you're not allowed in the press box why it's a really nice field you know nice turf field he says uh the press box got broken into what do you mean it got broken into? This isn't my problem. We just I just <laughs> talked to you like three days ago. Oh, yeah, no, it just happened two days ago. Oh, yeah, okay, of course it did. Um, Something about the Archdiocese of Toledo resigned or got fired or somebody in the, the whole thing, and apparently he gave a bunch of keys. There's like It's like a, a comedy where there's one master key, apparently, that opens everything <laughs> in this diocese. <laughs> And they went in there and stole all the equipment and all the uh, the broadcasting stuff and the microphones and broke a bunch of glass. And apparently this press box was a disaster. So 
okay. Well, you can broadcast from the stands. Bro, there's like a 70% chance of rain. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, just don't broadcast the game then. <sighs> okay. That, that's not how this works. <laughs> that's not how this works, right? So this is part of the reason why I have six different bags full of stuff in my trunk now for any occasion and about 700 feet of electrical cord. I didn't back then, and this is part of the reason. <laughs> so we had to go to a CVS and get about 300 feet worth of electrical cord and uh, run it through through the stands, down through some weird makeshift like concession stand where people are actively working, and uh, we go to we call the game, and I'm like, okay, we're finally good. I kid you not, three minutes to go in this game, it just starts pouring. Quickest post game ever, because now we're in a quandary because I just paid sixty dollars for a game I'm getting paid fifty dollars for. For all this stuff, right? We wrapped it back up and took it back. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I was in Pittsburgh one time too. It was another semi-pro thing. This uh, um, field was located near a graveyard. It's in between a graveyard and a park. It's a whole thing. And uh, there's this rusted out shack up for a press box. And the guy says to me, well, do you need up there? <laughs> yes, I need power. <laughs> Okay, well, let me go up there and uh, open up the door and make sure there's not a raccoon in there. <laughs> now, I realize for radio, you can't see my face, but I have a blank look of, uh, what, what, what is happening? I've already driven to Pittsburgh by this point. Okay, because I was working for a team in Cleveland, and uh, I, <laughs> I thought he was joking. So I'm pretty sure I should have gotten a tetanus shot after this game was over, <laughs> nice. just based on how rusted out this thing was. And then the whole time I have this weird, like, half-obstructed view, and their PA guy, who apparently does their broadcast, is what he told me, despite <laughs> the fact they were at home, he wasn't doing it right. <laughs> like, it did. oh, I got to do the PA today. So he's now openly doing play-by-play -play over the PA, and... In the middle of my broadcast, he has time to actually argue with me while I'm on the air. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, dude. It, you trust me. Anybody who has ever I tell young broadcasters this all the time. Anybody who has ever had to just they've ever been able to just do a broadcast, sit down and like, oh, everything's fine. You don't have to troubleshoot. You don't have to figure out, like, why is my electrical cord frayed? It wasn't 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, you know, where did this microphone go? Or, you know, what terrible broadcast booth in West Virginia am I about to be a part of? Because I, I did a game one time in West Virginia. It was uh, it's just off the highway. Uh, it's down towards Charleston that they were only allowed to use half the field uh, to kick field goals. You could only use one post. And the reason why is because if you kick to the south end, the ball ends up on the highway. <laughs> now, that actually happened to me, uh, completely unconnected. It happened to me in Lakewood in the Cleveland area, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think I know, you what, know what you're talking about. about. Yeah, I know which field you're talking about. Um, on the north end of the field, I can't <laughs> and I can't tell the whole version of this story because there's a much lower rating than it deserves <laughs> on this podcast. Um, you could not kick to the north end of this field because 
uh, how do I say this? The the ladies that lived there were notorious for a ball in their yard meant they walked out with a knife in broad daylight and knifed the football. True true story. I've been at a game where they did actually knife the football. I know which I, I know exactly what field you are oh, yeah, talking see? about. And it's not the easiest setup either, by the way, because <laughs> you're kind of limited in what you can see. You go you, yep. you got like fifty percent on one side. So these are the kind of things I've dealt with in my life. And and that's kind of the I learned a lot about myself doing semi-pro football for 10 years. I, I've since quit because it just honestly got to the point where it wasn't worth the time. And I started charging a ridiculous amount and nobody wanted to pay it. And my theory on that was, well, if I'm going to do this, you're paying for my expertise. And I, you know, I know these leagues and I know all this stuff. I mean, I've seen, I've seen guys get tased on the field during a game. That was an ADA. It was uh, back in the day, Lima Warriors used to play at War Memorial and uh, and Ada in the park there. And things tend to break down. There's some gentlemen with some very high emotions. And the Ada cops got called. And um, I don't know if I should tell part of this, this part of the story, but it gives it context. The guy said in a more colorful version of, I'm going to the car to get my gun. Hmm. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to War Memorial Stadium in Ada, but where that's at, he has to walk past pretty close to where we're sitting at. Mm -hmm. And I heard this being said out loud. And he walked to his car, grabbed a duffel bag, walked all the way back across to the visitor's sideline and sat down. Now, I don't know what was in his bag, but I know he spent a couple nights in the county jail. (laughs) And uh, to the point where he... I never understood this. He ripped off the jersey and the pads and then tried to go at the cops and they tased him. <laughs> There's that was the last game the Lime Warriors ever played at Ada War Memorial. <laughs> so I've seen some crazy things and it's just kind of one of those if you don't have stories like that, then you've never really gotten out of your hometown to broadcast. <laughs> uh, I will echo that statement time and time again. So some of the things I've seen in my years of broadcasting or that I've had to do, or it's okay. Everything's set up. And then suddenly, okay. The, the mic just decided to stop working because I, I don't know. It's not a shade of blue for the sky right now. It is, is just my, I, we could go on and on about those. Um, well, the other one is I, I, had, I had a lady come up uh, in, we were in Columbus and uh, we're, we were doing the game and she comes in and starts screaming that one of us took her stool. Now, again, I referenced Steve Wiener earlier. Steve Wiener is about six, five and about 280 pounds. And I was, and this lady was in his face uh, to the point where I was laughing so hard. I couldn't even mute his microphone. So everybody heard this story happen and she's just screaming at him. Well, the AD or whoever comes by and says, that's not your stool. And she argued with him for 10 minutes. Yes, it is. He brings her a different stool and she's like, there's my stool. Like I, like I tried to tell you, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I I do have I do have to go back to the guy getting tased on the field though. Only reason I gotta go back to that one is uh, it brings up a question I've always had, and I I would love Lance, I'd love your input on this. Uh, Michael, you're you're rocking the MLB cap backwards right now, so I assume this is a safe question. Rock, rocking that Cleveland 
professional baseball organization yeah, unit number five. You know, it's not offensive, I don't think. <laughs> it's, a, it's a block C. We're okay. When a pitcher goes high and tight on a batter, and, you know, the gloves come off and all the, and you start the, the brawl situation. I'm, I'm asking this candidly. Is it just an unspoken rule that the batter doesn't take the bat with him? Cause the pitcher's out of ammo. You have a bat and a helmet. <laughs> well, except for that guy that uh, fired the fastball into the Dayton dragons dugout. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> he realized he had a weapon. <laughs> I've always thought that too. I always thought that was stupid, but then I thought, in this insanity of what you're about to do, you're about to go try to throw down on this dude, right? You realize this goes from a possible assault to homicide. And you're like, I'm cool with an assault charge, but not so much <laughs> with attempted murder. So you're like, eh, just, let me just leave the bat. So, so, so what you're implying, it, you feel the little voice in their head screams just loud enough to say, okay, drop the bat. That'll just about do it for this edition of Lance and Matt Plus. Next week, we'll talk about our internship experiences, so a little adjacent to our college experiences, but the things we did outside of the college games where we had you know games and shows. We'll talk about the different internships and experiences we had for that. And, oh, man, Matt, we just, uh, we just got done talking with Mike Hearn, and he, I had no idea he had such a library of stories. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, because you're 12, it's yeah, it's, it's important for you to understand that you're a young whippersnapper, you know, with your internet radios and your talking picture machines and fancy electronic vehicles and whatnot. But uh, that he brings up such a good point, though. And if you ask any broadcaster in the air, I mean, we all got stories. We, we all have just seen some absurd things over the years, but especially with a guy like Mike, I mean, just his background, his pedigree, the, the amount of games that he's done over the years. Yeah. It, it's he, he's just got an endless Rolodex of quality stories, just really good stuff. And we'll, we'll give him a free plug here around the Hearn, check it out on Apple podcasts, as well as check us out Lance and Matt plus on Apple podcasts and Spotify. But yeah, he's, he, he's always a good one to listen to as well. What One of the better ones in the business, that's for sure. For Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the TCB studios. Have a happy Easter. We'll talk to you guys next week.